Oh, 2040 so far. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, 2040. We're getting there. All we right. uh, we need to get going faster, though. I know eight hours sounds like a long time, but eight hours to get to ten thousand dollars is is not that fast. long. So oh, there Let's, we go. Okay, it just jumped up. There we go. Twenty seventy. Twenty seventy. That's even better. Um, Let's bring in our uh, our six. They get the right hours. They all run together for me. The six o'clock hour, folks. There they are. Hour three. Let's say hour three. That's easier. Hey. Hey, how uh, are you? Great. Hey. So there's yeah, my. It's a seven o'clock hour for us. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah it's so bedtime. There's Richard and, it's and Mike. The five o'clock hour for me. So it's it's different yeah, for everybody. He, he's in yeah. Mountain Time. I'm in Central. We're all kind of in different hours. So that's fine. You're, you're not one of those people who believes that the world is uh, spherical, are you? No. Oh. Don't be silly. Come on. Well, look at this is a modern show. Richard. What are you talking about? We don't believe that silly stuff. How much better if the world's flat? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, funny you should mention that. We do have somebody no, who's no. actually can give us some actual hands-on empirical information about that. So Richard will ask you about that in a moment. But mm-hmm. uh, all right, let's get the let's get this hour cranked up and we'll get into it. So welcome to Geocache Talk Network's sixth annual podcast of hope. Once again, we are raising funds for St. Jude Children's Hospital. Our goal is to raise ten thousand dollars, and we can only do that with your help. To help us reach our goal, please visit the website, podcastofhope.com, and donate. Now, let's join our hosts of the Geocache Talk Network's Podcast of Hope. All right, we're going to get into sponsors, but uh, before I do that, I want to say thank you to, to Mike and Richard for being on this hour. So thank you guys so much. And our we'll pleasure. To... Thank you. Oh, yeah, Awesome. All right, uh, let me get first into mention our, our sponsors for this hour. Uh, Cashly, Cashly, the foremost geocaching app. So uh, Nick has provided uh, free apps. Free apps, everybody gets an app. You get an app and I get an app. <laughs> uh, so he's giving away a couple apps every hour. Uh, thank, you, uh, thank you, Nick, for doing that. Um, also, Drives Cash Closet. Uh, Offering the best prices on the geocaching products you would want. And he's giving away a free premium membership this hour and every hour. So thank you uh, for that. Drivescashcloset.com. Arted Crafted. Uh, com. Creators of distinctive geocaching and custom t-shirt designs for you and your caching group that can even print your path tag on a shirt. So you can show mm-hmm. off your path tag pride. So artedcrafted.com. Uh, Cash Canada, providing a path tag every hour. Thank you, Cash Canada, Dave and Karen. Uh, Cash Canada, about getting out of the house, onto the open road, trail or pathway, and finding geocaches. Thank you, Cash Canada. Uh, this hour, we're also giving away the, this hour, we're giving away the box, the custom box that um, Scrabble Hounds Barb has provided. So, um, I actually have it right here. So very good looking box. Yeah. So let me show you the, yeah, show us what that looks like. It's really cool. Uh, it's kind of got the, um, like, was it bingo? No. Uh, yeah. Bingo, right? These little bingo things. Like the, the numbers of the fizzy grid, all 81 spots, right? All 81 spots. It's a bingo thing. So she made that. Yeah. it's, It's full of, full of nice little trinkets. So it's good. So, uh, so how would somebody win one of these prizes, Gary? You could win one of these prizes if you were to 
donate to St. Jude. There's the information about that. Um, you can go to podcastahope.com. And from there, you can uh, give to our goal of reaching $10,000. So do we want to touch on since we're in a new hour and later on, these will all be separated out after the live show, right? Uh, yeah. Just a couple of, uh, and I know you have it in the notes, a couple of things that the money would go towards. So none of that goes to us, obviously. No, it's for St. Jude. But, yeah. you know, even even little amounts help out. So you want to go over some of those real quick? Because we're, we're hoping to get 10000 by the end. That, that'll, that'll do some good support. But even small amounts do things, right? Absolutely. So one of them, and we're gonna show, we'll show a really short video, too, of this one here in a moment. But parties to celebrate birthdays, holidays, and the coming off chemo. Uh, $75 is typically what they're, they're giving, they're using to create, um, these little celebrations. Uh, St. Jude provides parties, decorations, cakes, more to keep spirit high during the, the holidays and to celebrate special occasions. So that is, uh, one of the critical items. So, um, let's show the, the fast video, short video about the, uh, parties. Chemotherapy treatment can take months, even years, to complete. To a child, two years can feel like forever. So when patients at St. Jude finish chemotherapy, we celebrate with a no more chemo party. One, two, three. Our patients have the cutest, SMILEs. Our patients have the sweetest, H-E-A-R-T's. How can you not love a place that that has that kind of environment, considering the the serious work they're doing? Absolutely, yeah, very true. Uh, all right, so this hour, uh, our guests are Richard Giriot and Mike Dubno. So uh, we got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, I guess first, I want to I want to ask how you two guys even met. That's kind of. Uh, <clears throat> Well, hey, hey, let me let me jump in here first, just to, because uh, I want to introduce you guys to to Mike, because we're in Mike's house. Oh, cool! Is, we're in Mike's basement, which is an amazing place, and hopefully, as we're yeah. talking tonight, we'll get a chance to pull some stuff that is squirreled around. But you might see all the tools on the wall. Mm -hmm. Mike's basement here is a full machine shop, so that whenever we're going to go wow. out on expeditions, we build a lot of the equipment that we take on expeditions here in this machine shop. And we built geocaches here in the shop, including uh, for our, our latest uh, expedition, which we'll we'll talk about a little yeah. bit later. Right. But uh, we met what eight years ago, something like that. Uh, it was longer than that, but and it feels so even while, longer. It feels like forever. <laughs> yeah. We met uh, about uh, twelve years ago, thirteen years ago. Something. Like that. Yeah. But Mike is. Uh, we we both have a way back history in the early early days of video games. Right. Uh, I stayed in that field. He went off and did like, you know, 
more serious kind of professional stuff with you know finance and bullshit like that that's part of my language no no i mean the the same kind of uh, finance thing so i worked with different types of ogres different different oh there you go different Different ogres ogres. that's good different but we both share this passion for uh, not only exploring and geocaching Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, but, but building stuff you take with you on those, uh, expeditions. But, um, just a little bit. So the way we met is we were introduced by someone who's no longer a mutual friend. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. That's kind of weird. For the, it happens. Like Richard has problem. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it was because my brother and I used to run uh, an event called gadget off where we'd bring inventors, Sign. yep. Signs and stuff. Uh, where we'd bring inventors, artists, uh, thinkers together. Uh, and in fact, I think you noticed uh, that I was involved with FIRST Robotics. Dean Kamen has been there. The head of DARPA has keynoted Jeff Bezos, et cetera. So we used to, just a name drop. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hey, good job. I like it. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So, so our mutual friend uh, introduced us, uh, and Richard was in Austin, or he was transitioning uh, going into space something trivial or something like that, that. yeah we, yeah as one does <laughs> we became fast friends ever since in fact awesome we haven't left this workshop since yeah i'm here all the time locked in yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. blink for us if you need help if you're being held against your will just blink you can't see you right now yeah there you go, there you go. wait a uh, minute this is my house <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh Mike mentioned, or I did some research, and I and I mentioned that to to Mike too. But look, I look, look I got, I got a first. Oh, look! Oh, nice. Nice. Is, that part, is that a participation medal, or is that from? Trilogy? No, we won. We were first at first. How about that? Wow! Bravo! Nice. Bravo. Congratulations Bravo. to you. Thank your- you. That now that was it. Uh, that was in the not the the like the regionals i mean it was a regional but it wasn't like the next level still man that rocks yeah mm-hmm. this is in houston that's how real about that richard cred. that is real honest street yeah. cred. So this was actually you saying you're auctioning that no 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 are you kidding me <laughs> that one's not going anywhere <laughs> not going anywhere but yeah this was um team from dallas that i was involved i was uh coached with and uh yeah the regional was in houston it was in the astrodome which was weird because I was on the floor of the Astrodome and you're like, this doesn't look like the Astrodome. So <laughs> the old Astrodome, which is, yeah. What they did was they would do, um, they would put, they put, they put the pits in the Astrodome and you would, you would wheel your, your, uh, these are big robots, by the way. And you, as you know, as let people know, yeah, they're, and so they would wheel them over to the Reliance Center, and they were, but they were, they were going back and forth between. Oh, the, so they go back and forth between the old building, which they've had to keep up because it's a landmark. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exactly. I, I, I went to the rodeo um, in Houston there. So. Right. Oh, cool! We're up to twenty-five sixteen. That's awesome. You want to explain a little what first is? You want me to? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. That's probably you probably do better than I could at it. So <laughs> I don't know. You I have know. a medal. <laughs> I have a medal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> big robots. I just, I just have scars. Um, <laughs> right. So, it, so what it is is it's an organization that um, really helps uh, kids learn about science, technology, engineering, and math. 
but not mm -hmm. by teaching them science, technology, engineering, and math. In fact, Richard has been involved with a team in yep, Austin. In right? Austin, yep, I've sponsored one for a number of years. Yeah, oh, cool. and so the way it works is uh, we give you too hard a problem, not enough time. There are probably too many kids or not enough kids on your team. <laughs> um, and somehow, magically, teams figure out how to solve this problem, which is new mm -hmm. every year. And in doing so and competing, they become much better entrepreneurs, much yes. smarter in terms of technology, and they leave basically being able to solve and fix almost anything. There's no problem that scares them. Right. Right. And it's 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 interesting. It's similar to some of the adventurous spirit of what we've been doing, uh, because you're going into territory that you don't know, and also geocaching. So I, th I think there's a link between <clears throat> all, all of these things. No, absolutely. You know, that's something that it, it really is a, it's a great program because like you said, when things don't go exactly right with, with the programming or, or some piece of the, of the robot, uh, I think that it does lend itself to an educational or teaching moment as a coach. Uh, I'm, I didn't know any of the, the programming side of it, but I would tend to help on the more of the, the building part of it. Uh, but the interesting thing though, is the kids would learn so many different items, whether it be the physical side of it, or they learned a lot of electronic sides, but the process of it was really incredible because when things don't go right, it is a great teaching moment for, for the kids. And it's a, for them to learn, you know, kind of in a microcosm of life that so, it didn't work. So we got to so do something we got to do something different. Let's solve this problem together yeah. and not just get be frustrated. Well, it's also reality, right? Yeah. This is the way I think it, you know, it, it, there's no theory to it, right? You start off with theory and then you're proven wrong very quickly. Over and over. And <laughs> similarity there to our exploration is just so extreme. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm laughing because have we gone on a trip that has gone right? No, never. But, I, but also that would, <laughs> Not only is that basically impossible, it also wouldn't be any fun. No. You know, I actually think right. we, you know, we clearly are having a better time when everything starts to fall apart and, you know, all the professionals around us are, you know, having trouble. So we we dive in with our shop skills and uh, right. you know, try to help fix stuff. Uh, so, you know, an example, when we went into uh, the Messiah Volcano, mm -hmm. which, of all the things we've done, I think that's perhaps the more, more dangerous of them all. It's a, quite an active volcano in Nicaragua. Um, while we're on that trip, and these are not commercial trips, you can't just, you know, book it through a travel agent or something. Right. Uh, while we're on the trip, two ascenders, the things that get you out mm -hmm. of the 800 foot deep hole you're in before oh. you're driven by the lava, right? Wow. Two of the ascenders broke. Oh, uh, and they that's were two out of two, I believe. <laughs> oh, two out of two. Yeah, that's pretty important. Yeah. This came in very handy. No way. Um, we also fixed two generators, which were two out of the two, no, two. generators <laughs> to power the rest of the equipment to oh, keep wow. us alive. Uh, wow. And uh, so I would say yeah. uh, we rebuilt stuff uh, going Everywhere. to the deep. Yeah, and we built experiments when we went down to the Mariana Trench this last March. We rebuilt. Yeah, the, we're going to. Yeah, the mud, the mud sampler, and a, a variety of other uh, bits and pieces uh, associated with uh, the scientific sampling that was being done. Yeah, really so, cool. 
a lot a lot of skills that overlap with first but also overlap i think with the geocaching world yeah in it's, fact it's exploration uh, well, mm -hmm. well i want to get over to geocaching with the deep here in a second but i, I do want to throw yeah. out one thing about saint jude's if i might uh, yeah absolutely uh, if i could i i happen mm -hmm. to be the president of the explorers club which is yep. on the other side of central park from from mike's uh, uh machine shop here and uh and as i'm sure you guys are well aware one of the mm -hmm. most recent spacex flights was the inspiration Four crew uh which uh obviously their entire trip was a fundraiser for st jude's that was mm -hmm. I, i've of course known about st jude's forever but that was my you know, obviously biggest recent connection to st jude's was just uh in association with uh, the Inspiration4 crew flying to space. Uh, in fact, they're gonna be bringing back their Explorers Club flag that they took with them on the trip oh, cool. uh, next week. They'll be returning yeah. it to the Explorers Club. And there's, That's cool. to tie in one more thing with that, <laughs> yeah. Dean Kamen's brother, who inspired Dean Kamen to start first, and in fact, a lot of his inventing, uh, was a child oncologist. Um, oh. And in fact, he would talk to Dean about, you know, we can't find uh, a, a way to titrate drugs uh, into mm -hmm. small children because yes, doesn't have that. And that's mm -hmm. where Dean came up with the auto injector, which then yep. led to uh, the insulin uh, pump, mm -hmm. which then led, you know, et cetera. So again, uh, there there are connections. connections. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Yeah, I remember hearing about the the portable. The the and Jerry he, in, he invented that. By the way, I got the background. You can't really see it a little bit, but that's the background that Saint Jude provided to us with the uh, the inspiration, inspiration uh, on the background. Yeah, yeah. inspiration four up at the top there. But uh, yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the about uh, the Challenger Deep. I'm going to show a little bit of the video, and I'll stop it and get you guys to kind of comment uh, a little bit. Oh, we're up to twenty six six twenty six seventy one. That's great. 27% awesome. to the goal. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. 27%. That's Especially awesome. this anonymous guy. Anonymous yeah. has been really generous. <laughs> yeah. We He's, love the anonymous, anonymous guy. That's great. Keeps giving. Or That's go. awesome. Tell us this, if, if you guys can do this, but you know, we yeah. have artifacts from our trip that yes. we would like to offer out since, you know, for those of our oh, yeah. listening to this, during this hour, you know, uh, give the matters you see fit, but a suggestion yeah. might be, we'll, we'll send you a packet of okay. stuff from our dive trip and the geocache okay. drop uh, that you can give to your, uh, you know, bigger donors we'll tonight, or however you say. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Thank you very so, much for that. So Absolutely. We're going to do a shameless plug because not, this has not been prearranged. It's a right. <laughs> so we have our mission patch. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Nice. That's very nice. A number there that is questionable as to how deep we went. Yeah, that, that, was, our, that was our Google of the depth of the Mariana Trench. And it turns out the, the Google has the number wrong. So uh, right. instead of 11,034 wow. meters, it's actually 10,925 meters deep. 35. They recalculated. That was oh. part of the video that you watched. Ah, very good. You were in for the math video. <laughs> so that's what we have. Caledon. Uh, oceanic. Uh, Yay. Anybody who's watched anything, this is an iron-on patch as well. Cool. Uh, who's watched Dune would know the Caledon's the water planet. Right. And then we actually have the thing that we think is <laughs> the, the, the most more, valuable object in the world. <laughs> more valuable than either of the things. So uh, those patches all, by the way, have gone down to uh, the lowest point on Earth. As has the final item. Which is this? 
this, which may look like a piece of garbage to, to a casual observer, right, is actually a cup, a full size coffee cup. Yep. It's not a full size coffee cup anymore because it's, this was crushed to this size. Oh, wow. By the pressure of the deep. Yes. And no way. So there are not many of these things, but this has no. not only been to the bottom, but has been transformed by the pressure at the bottom. Right. And so this awesome. one, you know, figure out how to shill it or whatever. Yeah. But well, this, this piece of collectible garbage um, yeah, no, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yours if the price is right. No, that's that perfect. Great. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We, we'll add them to this hour's uh, givers. We're up to, wow, look at that. See, look what you did. We got all the way up to 2746. That's incredible. So keep going, everybody. Keep giving. Yeah, keep going. Incredible. Yeah, so uh, let me show part of the video so people can get, keep people up to speed a little bit on uh, the trip this year uh, to the Marianas Trench. So, um, and we can talk a little bit about about that. I'll show a little bit, and we'll kind of go through it. This isn't the picture. <laughs> I love the name. Arriving here in Guam to uh, see pressure drop uh, was a big deal, especially after our long journey out here. I, I think when we uh, pulled up uh, after you know, three airplane rides to get here, there was one relief that it's here. Uh, two, it's also very impressive. It's a real ship. It's not a not a little boat. And then uh, I think there was uh, a little bit of curiosity and glee that we could finally see the submarine that we were going to be going on. Well, we wanted to visit the Challenger Deep and, in fact, the bottom of it to see what's there. Uh, you know, for me, I'm driven by curiosity. Um, I'm not driven by trying to set a record. I want to know what is there. In fact, I want to know what's around the next corner, what's in space, what's happening in technology. And that's what drives me. For me, you know, when I joined the Explorers Club about 20 years ago, one of the first people I met was Don Walsh, who was the first person to be down below us here under the ocean. I it was immediately captivated by that dive and honestly never expected the opportunity for myself, much less very many people at all, to be able to make this dive. And, uh, you know, one of the most amazing things about what the team here has put together is a capability to not just go there once, but go to full ocean depth repeatedly. I've been working hard for a couple of years to uh, figure out a way to get get on get on board. So in incredible the the. By the way, that ship left port. <laughs> just 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 you know for clarity, we didn't stay moored. The right. Time. <laughs> he actually, yeah. Uh, incredible. It's a great video, and and it's fascinating to 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 watch that what well, are some fascinating what all is happening in the world of science and how it's it's coming to youth and you know mm -hmm. the that that sense of and i think you, you know that sense of exploration you know that sense of wonder and that it, it's like you said it's not about setting records it, the well, uh, even well, our producer a record. it wasn't about setting records for me <laughs> right right you will set records when you set out to do stuff like that but even like our producer that's behind the scenes right now 
he coaches five different teams in first and that people are getting more involved from, I think he said pre-K to 14 years old, but uh, people are getting more involved. And I think it's getting a lot more in the forefront with, with a lot of these expeditions and things like that. And I think that's, that is what excites kids for the future well, and, that changes. And, and I would even argue that we are in an interesting uh, new golden age of exploration. Uh, and by right. the way, I'll, I'll have to explain who the explorer is behind me. <laughs> yes. This is my daughter, Kinga. Uh, hey. up, she just made out of, of magnet balls. Kinka. But uh, but but actually, she's been geocasting since she was literally a baby. We set oh, wow. uh, on, wow. when she was about six months old. We set a geocache on a little island called Saint Bart's that we go back to. Uh, every yes. Year or so, and so we got to if you go if you go uh, go look up on your geocaching app, go to the island of Saint Bart's, go to the southern tip, and you'll find Kinga's cache named oh, after wow. So uh, after her, go that's visit right. Every year or so, but. Um, uh, but what I was going to mention though about exploring is I really would argue that we're in a new golden age of exploration. You know, the, the Explorers mm -hmm. Club that I'm president of, you know, was founded, you know, 120 years ago in what is, I think it's fair to call the heroic age where people were literally risking life and limb and often, often losing lives or limbs uh, right. in order to, you know, reach the poles, the highest peaks or these, you know, these various extremes. But we're now in this area where exponential technology, as you see in FIRST, as you see in rockets that can land themselves, as oh. you see in now these new submarines that can make full ocean dive depths. The fact, the fact that we're on video conference. Right. All this is, uh, is really opened up and geocaching is similarly being opened up uh, you know, uh, much greater and greater. Remember the earliest days when you'd have to use a GPS that wouldn't really tell you where you were, and usually would burn batteries so fast you'd yeah. have to buy oh, yeah. play batteries so every hour. Very true. Wow, I didn't find the cash in twenty minutes. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to talk about the, the uh, here in a minute about the latest or one of the latest caches that uh, that you guys placed. Uh, but tell everybody a little bit about the experience of and there's some great videos that you guys have done uh richard singing eight thousand bottles of beer on the wall was <laughs> i laughed so hard at that the 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 deepest most most meaningful fictional film ever, ever made ever made, ever ever made. made. What, what was my comment? Scarier than Dumbo. What was it like? What was it like going all the way down there, Richard? Well, you know, uh, it's an interesting mention that film because I've, I've uh, left the geocache both. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll just give my one little sneak peek of the geocache and travel bug that I left on the International Space Station. Yes. Uh, in the first place, I also filmed a movie, a fictional movie. That's right. The first fictional movie ever filmed in space, and while the Russians have gone up there to film the second, it's not out yet. So mine is still, and, by and definition, Tom, the Tom, best. Still the best. Yeah. Yeah, yours is it's it's amazing. It's the best. A really apogee the best. of I fear, love, by the way. Loved apogee of fear. Yes, yeah, so that's apogee of fear. And then if you go watch <laughs> our Secret of Triton's Trench, yes, uh, you know that's why we made uh, on the journey down to the bottom. But you know, I think that one of the most amazing things about these journeys to the extremes is mm -hmm. when you're involved, it's not just the actual dive. It's the entire operations. You, know, you already saw that big ship. You think about the, the technology packed into the submarine is incredible. There's a video online. I'm not sure it's on our sites. Maybe they, maybe they wouldn't mind if we put it up on our own sites of the making of the sphere. Uh, you know, if you look yeah. at the Triton submersibles, the uh, Triton submarines site, they may have it up there. 
the forging of this, you know, 10 centimeter thick titanium right. spear that protects you from this incredible pressure. You know, just sitting down with the crew, going over how this is going to operate, how you're going to survive, uh, you know, how the operations are going to go, getting a chance to sit down and rebuild a lot of the equipment with them or for them. <laughs> right. And also, uh, you mentioned first teams, and since we're talking about this, I, I, not again, not all equipment works as planned. And if you think about going to the very bottom of the ocean, 36,000 feet down, 1,100 atmospheres, 16,000 wow. PSI, just to drop some numbers. Right? You kind of want it to work, right? Yeah. The sphere that you're in, right, which is only about four foot nine. So Richard and I yeah. are about right now. <laughs> um, the sphere you're in actually contracts by a quarter of an inch. Measure. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh I'm gosh. electronic uh, tape Laser, measures. Yeah. I stuck it to one wall <laughs> so that as you're going down, you could watch the numbers shrink. Right. So it's wow. four foot nine is pretty small to begin with. Right. You don't want to lose much on your way down, but you do. No. <laughs> and it's even smaller. So it's like, does this place feel like it's closing in on you? Which it is. But yeah. while you're in this thing, this thing is a beta unit, basically. They, there's only one vessel like this on Earth. Yeah. And it's only been to this depth, you know, a dozen times. Uh, yeah. On my on my dive, it was the 10th. That's why everyone who comes out is going like this. 10. <laughs> it's not yeah. that held up. Um, and everything goes wrong at some point, except for the life support. That's good. And the structural integrity of the sphere. So you you were uh, dropping uh, the cash. So yeah. we had two two uh, two times that we uh, had a chance to drop the cash. Richard dove first. He was number 17 down to the trench. Yeah. Uh, I dove second. And we both went with Victor Viscovo, our pilot, and the person who really started the whole mission. Um, and the and the intention, if I can interject, was that we we didn't know if if we'd actually be able to physically be able to deploy the cache. This is actually an incredibly difficult place to do anything. Get there <laughs> is obviously incredibly difficult. But then we took the cache down, but it had to be attached to the submarine, and then we had to figure out a way to, to use the manipulator arm to detach it from the submarine, right. which we weren't sure was going to work. And that's why we both, in case I failed to deploy it, then he would take a shot at deploying yep. it. If I actually managed to deploy it then he would make the first attempted observation of it at the bottom. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and, and, so, and the deployment arm was basically a potato. Yeah, and so we we barely, we did manage to deploy it on my dive, but only barely. In fact, we were struggling with it so much, we drifted up off the bottom, and so when we finally managed to release it, it kind of disappeared below us into the darkness. And right. we went immediately down to go try to find it, and it was, we were already drifted off the target. So uh, right. uh, we watched it deploy, but we were not able to immediately find it. What, do, what is this geocache made out of? Ah, interesting you should ask, Mike. <laughs> uh, because when we knew we were going to go down there and we wanted to take a geocache down, we had to think of a few things. One is to convince yeah. the geocaching organization that this was okay, that this wasn't going to be geotrash. And right. so we had to convince them that this submersible was going to make, and in fact continues to make, repeated dives to the same location. And so the first time anybody ever finds it again, which they will try to do with each dive, they'll actually recover it. And so uh, it's, we hopefully in you know one of these years, somebody will actually find it and bring sure. it back. But the other thing we wanted to do is we had to make a geocache that would survive at this incredible depth. And, and we mean survive in the sense of not oh, be destroyed, not right. corrode, not uh, be lost, not you know become a danger or anything else. And so it is made out of 
two, three key parts, really, if you think so, about it. So, yeah, it's sort of a, a, a travel bug, but one that weighs over 10 pounds. So what, what describe the three pieces and I will do so, I'll show up tell parts. So. so 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 the issue that we have uh, a couple of things and uh, you, you need something that's corrosion proof. And mm -hmm. so you also wanted a, a, something that was like a plaque that had uh, the geocache number, et cetera, and also a secret word for people who wants want to claim the cache. And so we made that out of titanium. Actually, a friend of mine and yours oh, now wow. uh, machine. Wow. Uh, half of it out of titanium right. the we first machine, half yes we machined the other side of it <laughs> yeah. just in case we dropped it wrong right, right. this is just, this is just a blank of titanium like the one that we made it out of and we're going to make ourselves a keepsake out of the second one so we just oh, have to cool. it. this is this is probably about three hundred dollars worth of titanium and right. we made it out of half that so uh we, we part one so it's just from a mineral worth standpoint <laughs> you know claim right uh, so, yeah, if I let me sh go, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. I was going to show the, I was going to show the quick little snippet video of the, the release. Yeah, oh, some people can see it. So yeah, well, well, let's finish the pieces. Yeah, That's probably yeah go ahead. So, so then, then we realized that the bottom is made out of silt, and the right, silt will right. eventually wash back and forth, perhaps, mm -hmm. and, and cover sure. that weight. And, and anything you drop is going to bury itself. Probably oh, wow. a few feet, if not a few meters, into that silt. Especially oh, if it wow. weighs as much as a titanium block. Right. So we have something called syntactic foam. Thank you, Vanna oh. White. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and syntactic foam is this material that is unbelievably strong. Huh. You could uh, actually have this thing survive and not get smaller at 16,000 PSI. Wow. Right. It is a non-compressible foam, unlike this cup, which specifically <laughs> compresses pretty easily. Compresses. Tactic foam actually compresses basically zero. This big. And so wow. this is a solid plastic uh, impregnated with, I believe, glass. Glass beads. Glass beads. With, with oh, air okay. inside. Uh, each bead has a little hollow with, with, uh, uh, with air in it. And so despite the fact that it is a glass bead with air surrounded by plastic, it is engineered in such a way that this is completely non-compressible, even at these incredible depths. And still floats. And right. And still float. Wow. Water. So this thing is actually down there shaped like a, a bit of a chevron, an arrow. Yeah. And it has a Kevlar rope. That's the third piece, which <laughs> is rated to uh, over like 2,800 pound uh, test Kevlar, which yeah. is anchoring this to um to the titanium but other than that mrs lincoln <laughs> it is incredible what yeah so sounds right, like the most go. indestructible geocache i've ever it heard is. somebody construct it is the before, most indestructible. So. Yeah. yeah if you could figure well, out even, how to destroy this yeah we even with the titanium plate we even made sure that we carved the letters and numbers mm -hmm. into it with a bevel that was specific to not attract uh, small animal growth into mm -hmm. it. And so we really tried to, it really was built for survivability in you know the most difficult of circumstances. Oh yeah. yeah. What, Somebody's what probably it? not gonna find this one by accident. I'm just guessing. <laughs> no, no. You, know, you better be looking for it. But it is, yeah. we put it at the deepest place in the entire world's oceans. So people who are gonna go diving anywhere nearby are probably gonna target exactly this location. So. Uh, you know, there's reasonable odds uh, that uh, right. future dives will be found. Maybe in our yeah. life. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, uh, there you go. All right. Let me let me show this. And I got 
And we'll get into some other things too. That's really cool. So, all right, here we go. Bashing. So there it so is. So after becoming a fan of the sport, uh, I began to play some of my own. So I, I placed one on the International Space Station. And I thought that would be like virtually never seen or visited again. Uh, but it turns out that a lot of astronauts and a lot of their friends are geocachers. So it turns out that one is visited a lot. And so we think this will now be the hardest geocache to uh, to go There's find. a picture uh, This there. is going to go down to the Challenger Deep. There's a piece of blue tape on here because there is a secret word hidden behind that. This is a syntactic foam float that will float above it. Uh, in the future, hopefully more people, not less, will get a chance to explore even the deepest to, parts of the ocean to, to claim our cash to claim our cash bring it back <laughs> if you find it bring it back <laughs> it's awesome uh so so one interesting thing uh, that richard just mentioned is there have been 570 or so people to space that's the number right around now right um when we went down to the trench 17 and 18th and in fact, we're not even totally sure about the Chinese mission. Uh, There's now a second submersible. That, well, if you go back to in the entire history, before I was born, Don Walsh and Jacques Picard made the first dive in 1959 or 60, yeah. two right. people. Then right. no one went back until James Cameron went solo about 20 years ago. And then no one went back until this submersible that we went in, the one you've seen that was aboard that ship, right. uh, which has now taken a few of us and to yeah. number 17 and 18. But there's also now a Chinese submersible that is believed to be able to make the same full ocean depths. So we now have, if that's presumably true, uh, we now have two vehicles that can now make repeated full ocean depths anywhere in the world. And so the 80% of the oceans that have been completely unexplored are finally opening up for continuous exp exploration. Wow. Wow. Y'all are definitely it, it, taking geocaching to a literally a different level that's just, <laughs> <laughs> to you can't even fathom the you know the the, the depth of this normal people that don't get to go down in submarines can't imagine this <laughs> yes i like what i said it's taking you to a new low yeah <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna skip that one but yeah that's perfect <laughs> the fathom joke we got it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know we're, we're still nerds we, we got to slip some of it in every once in a while so uh so i ask you i'll ask you some other uh, geocaching questions here in a minute, uh, Richard, but uh, I want to ask you two guys uh, a couple questions. Um, uh, I think it's, you know, fascinating. Like you said, you did uh, North Pole. Uh, I know, Richard, you've done North Pole, South Pole, um, Orbit, and now the Mariana, Mariana Trench or Mariana's Trench. I've seen it. Both ways, I think, are true. Both ways yeah. work. Yeah. Uh, and then I know we did the, the volcano one, what, um, which is incredible. Um, so you've kind of, I wouldn't say done it all, but you've done kind of, you've made the, the, the big four. Um, he's also what, been to New Jersey. Yeah. He's come to your house. <laughs> well, Twice. Uh, and, Twice. Uh, uh, but yeah, but I'm actually the only person who's done that particular four. Yeah. And that's only relevant because there's actually two of us that have done space in the deep. Kathy Sullivan, another astronaut, All right. went on the same dive series I did, but she went ahead of us. So oh, okay. uh, she's actually the first uh, who's done space in the deep. So I had to add the North and South Pole to make sure I had my own little you know, triptych. It's and, pretty exclusive uh, club you're in there. So. Very yeah. exclusive. 
but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, we, uh, uh, but there's still tons to do, you know, and we, you know, we're, we're still planning, you know, trips both separate and together. We do as many of together as we can. Mm-hmm. I'm actually doing one without him. See, so far he might go, you never know. He might change his mind and go in the last minute. Hang on a second. Right. But uh, we're, we're going to, I'm going to go into Antarctica to a place called the Weddell Sea where oh, Ernest Shackleton's ship, the Endurance, was lost and sank yes. down the bottom. Uh, right. That'll be a six-week expedition starting you know, February 1st or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, 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 the, uh, I guess that's the next one that I have planned. Let's see, do we, have, we don't have a together one yet planned. This is, um, what were we talking about next? Africa. Uh, we were talking, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? We go all over. We go all over. But Incredible. <laughs> uh, uh, we've got, you know, we're, we're rolling along and I, I can't, uh, get away without asking Richard some, some of these, uh, questions that I have. Um, and then I want to ask you about necropolis, which in some of the other, because people that's one of the big questions is when we, when we mentioned that we were going to have you guys on one of the questions that I got asked a lot was ask them about necropolis because it's a very famous a very popular uh, multicache in Austin, but uh, I'll get to that one in a moment. Well, I want to ask uh, if I can, Richard, about, and I've, I've watched a lot of videos and, and I, I encourage people to go watch, go find a lot of R- Richard's videos. But one of the things you kind of touched on in an interview with someone that I wanted you to maybe comment a little bit more on, which was uh, the ride up is tends to be, relatively smooth let's say uh but coming back from space and you you kind of mentioned about how the 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 experience so if you could share people share with us and the folks listening and watching what what was going what kind of went through your mind as you're making that transition back into uh, Earth's atmosphere and the yeah, well, the violence of the uh, of the, the your ship coming back, you know, from something very you know you're in space, you know, and then all of a sudden there's this incredible, you know, what what was it like coming back into the atmosphere? I think that's well, let me just add a short thought about the way up, which you sort of alluded to too, which is the way up. Yeah. Is actually, like you said, surprisingly smooth, and it was particularly uneventful. I mean, you, you know, one of my jobs was to have the off-nominal situations manual open to whatever page we needed to be in case something didn't go well. So right. I was always kind of concerned about what might not be going well, but it actually went perfectly smoothly. And it only takes eight and a half minutes to go from zero miles an hour to 17,000 miles an hour to be in orbit around the Earth, right. um, which was still a pretty incredible experience. But you are correct that the Reentry is a significantly more violent, starting from this weird moment when you first have contact with the Earth's atmosphere, and you're you're moving still almost seventeen thousand miles an hour, and so when you have contact with the atmosphere, you are ripping atoms into a plasma that is hotter than the surface of the sun, basically immediately, mm-hmm. uh, and the vehicle begins to not only be enveloped in this plasma fire but uh, this fiery plasma, but also the, the vehicle begins to melt. And so you literally see the heat shield ablating away before your very eyes. And you know, you're mm. in my case, sitting next to a window. And so through about four panes of window glass and quartz, 
you know, it's hotter than the surface of the sun. And so that's very surreal just to begin with. Uh, but then also, you know, when the parachutes deploy, it's really like at the, being at the end of a whip. It's getting cracked. So it's quite a, quite violent. Actually, some things dislodged and came loose on the interior, which was a bit of a hazard. We had smoke right. start pouring in the cabin, which was a little disconcerting too. Uh, uh, and uh, fortunately, uh, you know, it all went well. And uh, you do end, and in the case of a Soyuz, you don't splash down or land on a runway. You impact on the surface of the Earth, going maybe 30 miles an hour in a six-ton vehicle that then bounces and rolls for a while before it right. And so it's it is a it's a pretty violent finale to the otherwise weightless bliss of your last few weeks. So so how right. do you compare the heat on that to the heat of dangling over the <laughs> volcano? Oh well, it was completely not hot inside the uh, so, so yeah, no, we were experiencing much more heat <laughs> and uh, and and chemical hazard in the Messiah volcano, which we have some slides for, by the way, if you want, Mike. To some oh questions. yeah, yeah, definitely. Here in the Messiah volcano. The gases that we were exposed to were so uh, not just toxic, but uh, volatile that, you know, like the, the silver necklace I was wear that I'm wearing, still wear. Yeah. Oh, you wear it all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally yeah. black. Uh, and wow. even the air quality detection equipment we were carrying with us would become <laughs> almost immediately corroded to the point where it failed. And so we were constantly having to bring it back out to the surface, wash it all off with, uh, you know, uh, this force that came back with what even sterilized water, just you, water. You, you couldn't even wash anything off. The, the tents had holes, holes in, in them. them. Sulfuric they, acid they, holes in our tents. They were oh, brown. Wow. They were garbage. The, the, steel, steel, the stainless steel cables Yeah, the stainless steel cables away. have to oh, be my. out. All of the ropes... Uh, need to be thrown out because of sulfuric acid. It's really oh a, my God. It's, it's a, it's a It's a little crazy place to go. So uh, did we leave wow. a catch control of the lava we pit? We did not leave a catch. You, you, you left an, uh, a ring in the middle of the lava pit. But I, oh, no. we won't that gets get, into politics. We won't, we go won't get into politics, but I did throw a ring into the, uh, the one ring. Mount, Mount Doom. <laughs> throw oh, the run ring in. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 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 wilder than like sci-fi movies on TV. Like the, just the few things that you mentioned in in those explorations, that's wilder than they even portray on TV. When you see, you know, because most of us, as you've probably guessed, have not been to space. So, uh, although we are, like you said, we're a new age of exploration, and I, I think we will see a lot more ability for normal folks to get into to space at some time that aren't like the first people we've met who haven't been to space <laughs> oh that's really, really? Yeah, I, I figure it's just you know that's Crazy. all that's the only people we hang out with you know so yeah it's just that. it's just the whole big astronauts club and yeah yeah well that and that's uh part of richard's incredible story and that's something that Growing up, I, I grew up in San Antonio, so I was a, a little ways away. But I, when I grew up, I, I was a huge fan of the astronauts and the space and all that. Oh, I was, yeah. In fact, my we joke about when people ask about, well, what, what you know, oh, people my age like, what what lunchbox did you take to, to school? Was it Scooby Doo? Was it like mine was astronauts? I had an astronaut lunchbox, yeah. and. Um, you know, Richard, you, you know, you grew up next door to all these, these astronauts. And so his father uh, was an astronaut. His father was an astronaut. Right. So there you go. I mean, they were pretty boring. They were a dime a dozen where I grew up. They were, they weren't that <laughs> impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just it, it is, is, is incredible, you know, to, to, 
to hear those things. Yeah. So some Houston, Texas, who lives in Houston, Houston, Texas, Dave wants to know which was scarier. Was it space or, or deep sea? Oh, that's actually an interesting question. Cause uh, I would at least argue that neither felt particularly dangerous. He didn't feel scary. Statistically, mm-hmm. I'm not even, uh, well, I guess statistically, <laughs> even, even statistically it's hard to measure because yeah, right. so few people have been so yeah. few people have been deep there's actually never been a fatality in a deep submersible that goes down below of you know a thousand feet or so yeah you know, knock on wood. right yeah oh gosh <laughs> but by the way there have been extremely few such dives <laughs> right. in right. history True. So good for statistics and you know and going to space is is statistically actually quite dangerous um mm. you know there have been 17 people who have died out of the 500 that have gone so you can probably do that math i can't but yeah yeah so there's been zero in the other one, but then again, there hasn't been that many. So you're not comparing anything. Mm-hmm. But but I would say right. neither really feels scary. But you you are always acutely. Well, tell me if this is true for you too. At least for me, you know you you go through the calculus. You go through the here's the series of things that are going could go wrong that we could manage. Right. And then here's the things that go wrong that you're not going to manage. That's so just yeah. going to be the end of it. And, and if that happens. Yeah. What, what is so that, it does. What is that? The uh, the prayer is in trans. Teach me the wisdom to change the things I can, and the, <laughs> the you know the acceptance of those that I can't, something like that. Yeah, which turns out so it's interesting. Um, I have found almost all of the exploration to be peaceful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not scary at all. And right. uh, you know, for going down to the deep, once you get once over the fact that yeah that you can get crushed to death. Um, and luckily, if it happened, it would be like this. There wouldn't be like, oh, there's a trickle. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so, leaking. Yeah. Oh, my. Like eight elephants per square inch. <laughs> right. you know? uh, You're mush. Right? Yeah. So, so once you get over that and you get in and you're falling for four hours. Right. Like a rock. Falling it, like a rock, literally. For yeah. Four hours. Yeah, but it's peaceful. There's not much sound. You could see little uh, fluorescent lights, uh, you know, the bioluminescence. Uh, bioluminescence. Right. right. Um, and for me, it's interesting. My heart rate went down when I got in the sub and we started going down, figuring that that should go the other way. Well, actually, the, the, the most hazardous job and the hazardous time is the actual launch of the vehicle and recovery of the vehicle. Yeah. They're actually in, in submarine operations of these deep research about submersibles. A number of people have died. None of them have been in the sub. It's always been people wrangling ropes and cables and lifts oh, on wow. the outside of the sub that either fall in and get eaten by sharks or get crushed <laughs> between the submersible and the I ship. Oh, right. about the sharks. <laughs> Not More dangerous. Mere submersibles. Oh, really? That's what he fall over. That sucks. But oh wow, it's interesting. The things mm-hmm. you start to worry about are actually peeing. Yeah. You right. Know, it, it's like, you know, you're 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 in a very small container for twelve hours, and you can't stand up, much less turn around, much less there's no toilet. Yeah, and any other bodily functions you might have, you can't blame the other guy. Uh, <laughs> you can, but it, it's not very credible. And so it's interesting. You actually you go from the most important thing, which is life, right. to actually worrying about the most trivial things, um, and. You know, even the failures that we had in the submersible are are failures that are anticipated. 
so there are backup systems for everything. And so and usually two levels of backup. Yeah. So you lose right. circuit breakers as an example, because all the wires going into the into the sphere get pressed together so tightly right. that they start crosstalk. So you just turn off circuits. Now you okay. prefer to have that thruster or whatever, but you know what? It's it okay. happens. Yeah. And so so it, the way these things are done, like going down into the volcano, that also was very peaceful. Is this the? Is this a? <laughs> oh yeah, you 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 had a conversation with the uh, previous couple uh, about drones. What kind of drones you fly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we we fly real drones uh, as well, um, but mm -hmm. we also uh, build our own types of drones. Our oh wow, that's cool. So these are yeah, that's right. So these are more disposable type of drones because this is a FLIR, a forward-looking infrared right. camera right. that transmits, and that's what this is here. I think the receiver right. is somewhere in there. Right. And flies over the volcano and actually maps where the hotspots are. Oh, you know, wow. The other one the, is the chemical one, which I think yeah. was, that was our... <laughs> yeah, oh, it's oh, it's taking readings. Yeah, so the FLIR obviously so, giving you heat. Yeah, so so this one this one is heat, and right. uh, we tried to fly we tried to fly both of these in far enough that if we lost them, okay, right? Because we were doing stuff for science. Right. This one is a sulfur dioxide sensor. Oh, cool! Uh, and this is also another remote transmission type of system with temperature right. and all this other telemetry on it. Right. And uh, we flew uh, both of those over, but the amount of sulfur dioxide that was coming out was so great, it blew the drones back. Oh, my oh. gosh. So, so we, we actually could not get the drones directly into the upward flow of the vent. I couldn't, I couldn't lose them if I tried. Literally right. tried. No, we tried. We literally we tried, tried to call them to drop them into the right. volcano, basically. We were going to literally abandon one in the volcano just to get the sensor data. And we couldn't because the pup draft was just blowing them up and over our heads instantaneously. Wow. Nothing works as planned. That's I don't think I've ever had somebody tell me that they were trying to lose their drone in a volcano before. Right. I don't think that that's not common. Look, I, I, I bought the warranty. Nowhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. says you're, you're not supposed to fly it into a volcano. You, you know what? It's probably not. It's probably covered then. I think you're good. Yeah. Yeah. But we couldn't lose it. Couldn't lose it. So now I'm stuck with these drones. <laughs> yeah, now you gotta you can't take it hey, back. They're, they're great though for uh, like you said, they're they're great souvenirs. Uh what else do we have? Oh you show that you show, show this one. So just to show the other kind of stuff we built yeah. down here in the basement that is not exactly geocaching but related. Yeah, that's fine. Well, we're, well, actually, that's the good thing about podcast to hope is we kind of do geocaching. So what this is, is a massive data collection unit for the okay. North Pole. It has things like a Geiger counter for radiation, solar panels to power it, and also to understand the amount of sunlight, an enormous number of uh, air sensors, so humidity, pressure, uh, et cetera, mm -hmm. uh, volatiles, wind sensor. And then inside, it has uh, two GPS units that okay. are spread out. They were hooked to here and spread out so we knew differential GPS, where we were, right. and how the ice flow was moving. Because a lot of people don't realize the North Pole isn't really mm -hmm. where Santa can keep a workshop because you're sitting on an ice flow. It's moving. Right. Constantly it's moving. moving. Yeah. And, so, and not just translating, but rotating. So that's why differential GPS was useful. 
Oh, that yeah. is nice. So this yeah. All of that data and then uh, sent it back over Wi-Fi so you could be in a nice warm-ish tent and see uh, where you were going. But, but as long as you're showing stuff off, I have to get Mike to, you should pull the unit off the wall here too. But the, the, another really incredible uh, idea, this was Mike's idea uh, for one a, a kind of artistic experiment that we did at the Challenger Deep. And so we said, look, you know, we're going down to this place with this immense amount of pressure. Right. You know, what can we do with that pressure other than crush plastic cups which, that cool. is, which shows something interesting? And right. so Mike had this idea. Of, don't show it just yet. Don't show it. Don't, uh, don't, don't repeat it yet. <laughs> suspense. Yeah. Build up the suspense. Build up the yeah. suspense. Because we had this idea of, of, of uh, uh, we, we were thinking about how coins are made. And, you know, coins are made in a stamp. You know, yeah. Right. Uh, and a hammer that that often embosses a die onto the shape of the slug of metal. And so we're going like, well, you know, that's got to be a comparable amount of pressure, we would assume, with you know what we're going to have down here in the deep. And so we started building a variety of experimental ways to test, would this pressure be sufficient? And could we uh, wrapper a die with, <laughs> with in, in, in a way that wouldn't leak you know water into it? Explode implode. or explode, implode. <laughs> right. Of course, the submarine people, the submersible people, when they heard that we were trying to do this, they were going like, "Uh, uh, 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 uh. going to bring anything that might implode and destroy our submersible down right. the deep." But what was their conclusion after they saw it? And they said, "Okay, this, okay, this is going to work." And in fact, they want one. they want one. Yes, exactly. They want one. But we even bought like, yeah, uh, is that the, yeah? That's the press right here. You can't see it. It's a little off camera. We we actually bought or Mike bought, I should say, you know, a uh -huh. ten ton. 12. hydraulic 12 ton hydraulic press just so we compress things <laughs> to the level that we thought we would need to do this and and we actually had you know months of failed experiments uh <laughs> over and over again until we arrived at the one that we took with us and it worked Incredible. actually which stunningly we, well which we had no way of testing beforehand yes oh wow that's true oh look at this okay cool so what you can oh. see all oh, this side if you just want don't, just don't yeah yeah, and because. so what you can see is this, uh, which side? Oh, you, it's your side has the die. My side. Uh, so this over here is uh, just like a coin that's a die. Right. And this is machined aluminum. On this side, you actually have a retaining ring. And if okay. you notice, it looks just like any kind of pressure thing that you would find. Right. And then you see this uh, brass uh, blank that's just like a coin. And that blank starts off blank. Flat. Right. Um, right. You know, like like one of these. Right. And oh. it gets wrapped by the pressure oh around the die. That. And then comes out like this. <laughs> like this. Oh pattern. wow. <laughs> yeah. But that is yeah, that is artwork. You know, we have a few of the others that we've made, you know, here still loose. But the, you know, this is these are manufactured <laughs> by the natural pressure of you know, yeah. Interesting process. So, what uh, one of the uh, friends, a reviewer in Arizona, he said that was a Mariana Trench geocoin. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. Those are pretty awesome. rare, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. five of them total yeah. <laughs> in the world, right? Anywhere. Yep, that's it. Not available in any store. Yeah, not not available. Hey, just you know what? Maybe there's one at the geocache. We won't know until somebody recovers it, right? Never know. You never there know. There you go. Maybe we left one at the bottom. Maybe that's right. Who knows? Yeah, that that would be a pretty unique first to find prize for sure. It would be. 
Uh, well, our hour's about up. I did want, um, if Richard, you could comment a little bit. Um, I live, uh, you know, I live in Texas, and and people always ask me. Um, I'm going to be in the state, and uh, or if they or if they tell me I'm going to be in Austin or whatever or Houston or well, Houston's a little bit of a trip, but San Antonio, whatever, and they'll say, "What is a cash that you absolutely need to do?" And I always tell them couple of them and one of them is always necropolis so tell people a little bit about necropolis and what your inspiration was uh, or what what led you to creating that multi-cash in austin sure. yeah well uh well first let me note that uh it's it, it was really inspired by my introduction to geocaching okay. which was uh I had an employee at my first gaming company, Origin, came yep. up to me and said, hey, Richard, have you visited the geocache that's right next to your house? And I'm going like, what, what, what's a geocache? And right. why, is, is, it next why is it next to my house? <laughs> and, uh, and there was a Britannia Manor geocache that somebody else had created literally like 10 feet from my property line to look at my house. And, <laughs> with, and so I was going to Britannia Manor, right? Yeah. Britannia Manor. So I was a little, you know, I thought it was kind of creepy in one sense of the word. Right. And uh, then I went out to go find it. And somebody put like this skull up in a tree and had a, a munitions canister as the cash with the log book and things in it. And I immediately went like, wow, that's really kind of cool that, uh, that these, that this whole thing exists much less that people would think it'd be cool to come out and you know, check out my house, you know, which I think is kind of a cool place, but didn't necessarily think anybody else would. And, uh, but as you all, I think, know, my, my main, uh, you know, uh, way of earning a living back then is uh, video games. So I've been a yes. video game developer. And I also do these big haunted houses, which uh, now that I've got children, we're starting them up again, but for a younger age. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. But um, the, uh, uh, and so as soon as I saw it and kind of got over my initial heebie-jeebies, uh, I was like, oh, well, you know, I can do better than that. And so, uh, so I said, you know, I really need to make a geocache worthy of, you know, uh, the haunted houses and the video games, and all these things that I do. And so I sat down actually with a, a good friend and my uh, co-designer of all these things, a guy named Dale Flat, uh, who's our property manager down there in mm -hmm. Austin, Texas. Uh, right. He actually did most of the heavy lifting on this. Uh, and we designed an, an interactive quest that takes you all around Austin. Uh, and it actually starts at a, Dale for one of my birthdays had done a, something. It was before geocaching, but he had done something for me on my birthday, a part of a, a treasure hunt that right. started at the grave site of someone who is buried in the East Austin graveyard who died on the day that I was born. Oh, and so, wow. And so that's where this geocache starts, is <laughs> at, the, uh, at the grave of Orville M. Arbuckle, who died on July 4th, 1961, out in an East Austin cemetery. And wow. with information you gather from gravestones, you get sent around to all the parks and places around Austin. Uh, you ultimately get sent to a restaurant to kind of rest and, and rehabilitate prior to the going into the necropolis. <laughs> uh, they yep. actually get special drinks out to people if they say you're here on the geocache, they have their... Uh, they're well aware that they're kind of the final stop for the necropolis. But then when you get onto the onto my property, uh, the necropolis itself is a fairly elaborate self-operational haunted trail, you might say. It has yeah. uh, uh, you know some don't ex don't run Okay, I won't run it. I won't run it. But but hopefully you've picked up data <laughs> along the rest of your excursion. Right. 
Yep. And if you then go through the necropolis and survive uh, right. and gather the rest of the final data, then you are uh, you you get to have an Indiana Jones style finale finale uh, that provides you also with keepsakes. With keepsakes, oh, yes, right. Very cool. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, let me let me bring in uh, also as we're starting to cross with our next hour, but I want to bring uh, the next hours folks in because they might want to give a quick comment or shout out. Hey, uh, have, there's Joshua, the geocaching vlogger and Gia. Gia is now uh, uh, a lackey with geocache. So she works for HQ. So uh, yeah. Um, so Necropolis gets uh, lots of favorite points, which is great. Right. Gia for HQ. They want to see that. Uh, oh, look at our totals are great. We'll get to those in a minute. So um, and there, HQ, by the way, that's uh, the the first uh, uh, geocaching item that I took to space. The, the the one I have in my thing is the copy, the original, uh, which I left on the space station, was returned by astronauts to the Earth. And I think there is with you, Gia, in headquarters. I believe so. It's framed. We're just waiting for visitors to be able to come and see it again. Yeah, as soon as they reopen. But uh, uh Awesome guys, it's been a it's been a great hour. It goes so fast. I you know I love to to do this again. Uh, I didn't get to pull out my uh, Richard. I didn't get to pull out my master's man monsters manual or my uh, any of that stuff. We'll have to do do that another time um, and uh, geek out over. Uh, I've got originals, by the way. I got the originals from Gary Gygax. Uh, right. I was I was into software manuals. I do. I've got. I've got all those. You know. I've got You're all. You're not the, supposed to have the Wall Street ones. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Well, I actually got the ones before. Uh, and Richard knows about this, but you know, most people always talk about Advanced Dungeons Dragons. I remember the days before Advanced Dungeons Dragons. So oh yeah, of course. Me too. Way I back. Have my original original three book set that my mom wrote my name on so that it wouldn't get lost when I was lost. <laughs> I'm so old. I remember the actual dragons. There you go. See, there you go. That's the way to do it. But um, again, guys, so thank you so much uh, for coming on, giving us the stories. They're wonderful, and helping us raise money for St. Jude. And uh, give money, give money to St. Jude's. It's a good thing to give to, and you can get yourself some of these. That's right. Baggy there stuff. You go. Nothing to sneeze at. Yes. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, we're up to thirty-seven twelve. That's incredible. Thank you guys so much, and okay. uh, good luck. We'll. Keep in touch. I'll send you info and you, you can send those out and we'll uh, I'll get those and we'll give them to our donors from this hour. Excellent. So, awesome. Thanks, Thank guys. Everybody. See you. Bye. Cash safely. Yes, cash safely for sure. Thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs>